Genesis eleven twenty nine through chapter 12, verse 7. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren, and she had no children. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah at the time the Canaanites were in the land. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thomas, Abraham is one of my favorite characters who? in the Bible. Abraham slash Abram. Oh, uh, okay, okay. He's <laughs> not... He jumped We're ahead. Not there yet. He yeah, jumped yeah. ahead a little bit, but yeah. Sorry, Abram. sorry, sorry. No, Spoiler no, no, alert. He changes this, isn't it? Or the Lord changes his name. That's right. That's right. Anyways, so Abram means uh, exalted father. Mm. Abram. Abraham means father of a multitude. And so we can see already there's this irony. Abram takes wife, uh, Sarah. She is barren. Mm-hmm. And his name is exalted father. So... You know, they go, they settle on this land with their family, and then the Lord speaks to Abram and, and calls him to basically go out on his own, following the guidance of the Lord, and he will make a great nation of him. Yeah. So there's this ironic tension. That's right. Uh, you know, an, an exalted father who is unable to have kids, <laughs> and the Lord takes him. And, you know, gives him this promise and calls him out. Now, Abram makes a lot of big, stupid mistakes along the way and acts cowardly as we can relate to. And yet he follows the voice of the Lord and he yeah. looks to this promise. And, and you know, I think that this narrative is is built in a way so that we can see ourselves in Abraham. Yeah that we would follow the call of the Lord and, and despite our great blunderings that by our faith in God's word, that, that when the Lord speaks, we believe it by that we are counted righteous in his eyes. So that's where we are. We're, we're continuing in this Advent series, looking at expectation of a savior. So what are your, what are your thoughts on this passage? The Lord is really good at going against the odds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a specialty. <laughs> he's, he's he's very good at uh, at you know calling people who can't have kids to be you know 
the father of a mighty nation who the whole mm-hmm. world will be blessed um going to people who are like hiding in a threshing floor so they're yeah. not seen by the enemies and calling them mighty warrior yeah Gideon. Uh, yeah and so there's he's the lord's really good at seeing no i've made you for this purpose yeah and with you it's impossible to fulfill but with me it's possible for it to be fulfilled mm-hmm. and abram is such a great such a great person to look to as a character study because um, he has these great moments of faith i mean there's one part where he's a warrior and he goes and and rescues lot there's another part where he's like super faithful um you know with uh just following the lord versus the folks in sodom and gomorrah that aren't mm-hmm. um and then there are other times that he just is you know like you said he gets completely cowardly but what i think we see in there is the lord is going to fulfill his purpose mm. regardless of human response yeah the lord the lord desires to use us the lord calls us to be a part of his process and his purpose but the lord is going to make what the lord wants to make happen happen mm-hmm. and he uses a very imperfect couple and Abram is not the model husband a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when their names change, Abraham and Sarah and Isaac is in the picture, we start to see when God promises a son, God brings a son. Mm-hmm. And so we see a uh, we see the promise of that offspring going back to Genesis 3. We start to see, okay, the Lord is is starting a lineage. He's raising up a people, and it's from these people, the people of Abraham and Sarah, mm. that Messiah is going to come. Yeah, and he's already moving them into position. He's bringing them into the Holy Land, mm-hmm. and he's he's already setting up all the way back in Genesis chapter eleven, the arrival of one day King David. And out of King David's lineage, it, you know, Mary and Joseph are going to follow and Jesus is going to come out of like, we already see, okay, the Lord is beginning his work. Mm. He's going to settle that land and he's going to bring his people in and God's going to bless people that bless them and curse people that curse them. And and then there's going to be this whole other group of people that you and I are a part of that are, that are going to be a part of the seed of Abraham in Christ. Mm. And so we just see this incredible uh, this incredible tapestry of God tying in his promise back in Genesis. Yeah. And we, this is where we really start to see it come to fruition. Yeah. You know, I think we can learn so much about the Christ, about the Messiah by the road that leads us to him yeah. throughout scripture. And I think one of the key components that we find in the journey to the Christ through scripture is that God uses what would be foolish or shameful or dishonorable in the world to to you know bring about his purposes to display his glory and, and to shame the wisdom of the world and it not just tells us about how Christ came to be but it tells us about what type of king Christ is is that he comes and he he sets up an upside down kingdom that's right where where the weak find power where the crushed sing victory songs. And, and this is what, this is the, still the manner that Christ works in and the spirit of God works in, in our lives that, you know, uh, the things that are great causes for shame 
or for dishonor in our lives, when we, when we bring those to the Lord with open hands, those often become our most powerful means to, to live under the cross. That's right. And, you know, I, I'm thinking even I'm, I'm reading a book right now that is incredible and it's a great holiday read or a great gift um, for someone you love, but it's called Consumed by Hate, Redeemed by Love. Hmm. It's by a guy named Thomas Terrence, who uh, he's from Mobile, Alabama. And it's a really, really just incredible and heavy memoir. He he was a Klansman and hmm. a, a violent white supremacist. And now he is a minister uh, in racial reconciliation. And he, he did time in prison and the whole bit. And God took this deep-seated hatred and, and this deep shame. Hmm. And now he's using it to do the exact opposite and, and to undo the the shackles of the enemy. And, and I just think it's a great encouraging word that as we're in the season of, you know, remembering the expectation of a savior and, and how we, you know, we await his return, that it's oftentimes that the things that we bring to the Lord that we want him to exalt and that we want him to use in our lives. Yeah. Normally he's like, nah. but it's the wounds that we have. It's the shame that we have. It's the mistakes that we've made that through those, his glory is displayed. And I, I just think that it's an amazing portrait of just what kind of redeemer is right. the Lord. <clears throat> you know, it, it strikes me as, this all happened and Abram follows the Lord by faith to just leave. You know, he's just like, just leave, follow me to a land. I'll show you. This is Abram's first moment of like real faith. And when the Lord appears to him, it says that Abram built an altar to the Lord. Uh, and that's, that's in, in verse eight of, uh, of chapter 12. From there, he moved to the hill country, east of Bethel, pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west, Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. I think there's something really important to when God calls us in these moments of faith mm -hmm. to find a way to remember that big moment. Mm. Yeah. If it was, hey, I'm pulling my kid from this school, I really feel convicted they need to be in this place, or hey, I'm changing colleges or I'm changing jobs or I'm going to marry this person or um, I'm, I'm going to have that conversation that's really uncomfortable with this person because I know the Lord's calling me to do this or somebody had a conversation with me that was really uncomfortable and God really changed my life in that moment. It's very important when the Lord shows up in a strong way in our lives to, to, to find a way to remember that. Mm -hmm. And we see that a lot in the Old Testament. But it was very important that Abram stopped and he built an altar to the Lord Man. and said, yeah. I'm going to remember what God's doing. It's real easy for us to just move past things. Absolutely. We don't have to go at the speed of the rest of the world. Yeah. And Advent is such a great season to stop and to reflect a little bit mm. and see what has the Lord been doing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think it it's easy to you know, sort of like smile and nod at the idea of like, oh, God redeems, you know, the hardest parts of our life. But I think it kind of begs a question, how do we actually like live into that? Like what, what do we actually 
do to like move towards that. That's right. Especially if we're in that pit. And I think this passage presents two good, clear, you know, commands. The first is just do the next step of obedience. It might be small. It might be really big. For Abram here, it's big. He's got to leave his family. That's you right. know, for some people that I've known, the that step of obedience is breaking off an engagement. It is moving cities. It's quitting a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, for one reason or the other, mm-hmm. it is part of that process. Sometimes it's small. Sometimes it's go to work tomorrow and do a dang good job. And that is just the step of obedience. You know, as Dees says all the time, do the next right thing. And then the other command is to worship the Lord, to build an altar, as Paul would say, to present yourselves as a living sacrifice. That's right. And it's just that little two-step doing the next act of obedience and then building an altar and worshiping the Lord. That is what, what brings us into that pursuit and into that posture where where God can do that sort of work on our life. Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> let's let's be faithful as we talked about yesterday. Uh, let's just continue to be faithful as we wait for the next advent of the return of Christ, but also as we reflect on the the advent of Jesus coming and God joining us in the flesh and thank the Lord that we have recorded for us the story of Abraham as God begins to show us, I have not forgotten my promise. I am faithful, and through you, I'm going to bless all the nations. Amen. Amen. All right, well, another encouraging word from the Scriptures as we await a Savior for Thomas Nelson. This is Will Carlisle. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404 465 1737 or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.